Welcome. Thanks for tuning to Impact. Our mission is to love, learn, and serve. And now, here's the message. About five minutes, we head out for the warm-up. I'm going to say two things. Number one, I love you and I'm proud of you. I wouldn't trade this season for anything in the world. Secondly, you're about to play the biggest team you've ever faced. They're strong, fast, and undefeated. So far. But I want you to remember where God has brought us. I want you to remember how hard you've worked. We weren't supposed to have a winning season, but we do. We weren't supposed to advance to the playoffs, but we did. We're not supposed to be here, but we are. So if there's anything in you that says this is a losing effort, throw it out. Because as I stand here, I believe that as long as we honor God, nothing is impossible. Nothing. Leave everything out on the field. Give your best to God tonight. And whether we leave the field the victors or not, we will give God the glory. Now, who will go fight the Giants with me? I really love that scene from the movie Facing the Giants when Coach Grant Taylor is leading his team in this pep talk. You see, the team was having a losing season. Everybody thought the season was going to be you know, in the toilet. But all of a sudden, God works a miracle, and the team begins winning games. And here he is uh, leading his team in this final pep talk before they go into the state championship high school football game. They're playing a team that is bigger and stronger and tougher and more talented than any team they've ever played. And Coach Taylor pours into those young men. He tells them, you know what? Nothing is impossible with God. It doesn't matter how big they are. doesn't matter how fast they are. doesn't matter how tough they are. Nothing is impossible with God. And he tells them whether we win or whether we lose. You know what? We're going to give God the glory And through everything, we're going to give him the praise. I love that. When all is said and done, nothing is impossible with God. And no matter what comes our way, we give him glory and we give him praise. You see, it's not our job to worry. It's not our job to be afraid. We're very good at these things, but that's not our job. We're not supposed to worry. We're not supposed to be afraid if we follow Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You see, what is our job? Our job is to trust him. Our job is to love Him. And our job is to obey His Word. That's our job. To trust Him, to love Him, and to obey His Word, no matter what the circumstances might be. And so I'd like you, church, to repeat this after me. It's my job to trust Him. It's my job to love Him. And it's my job to obey His Word. And as I do, God will see me through. Amen? It's your job to trust Him, to love Him, to obey Him. And as you do, God will see you through. He's seen you through all your obstacles and trials in the past, and He'll see you through this crazy time we're living in with this pandemic of coronavirus. 
I want you to take out your Bibles today and open with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles is the 14th book in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I also encourage you to have a piece of paper, maybe a pen or pencil, so you can jot down some notes along the way. Encourage your kids, if they're in the room with you, to be opening their Bibles as well. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm calling this message, The Power of Praise. This is one of my favorite chapters in the book of 2 Chronicles. I think it's going to be a blessing to you, as it's been a blessing to me. I think this passage will bring you hope. I think this passage will bring you courage. And I think for a lot of you, this passage will bring you some peace during these troubled times. And so we're going to be in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And before we dive into God's word, uh, would you say a word of prayer with me? Please bow your heads and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And we do not believe that when you are involved, there are any accidents. Lord, this is an odd time when we're not able to come together under one roof, Lord, and worship you and study your word together. But we believe that you are a God who works all things together for good. We know that you knew about this even before the foundations of the world were laid. So Lord, as each person is watching this online service and listening to this message, Lord, from their homes, uh, from their smartphones, from their tablets, from their computers. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us today. Uh, Reach out, Lord, uh, through those airwaves, and I just pray that you would touch each of us with your word, that you would speak to us today. And Lord, we pray for a miracle. As we would normally share this word uh, with maybe 150 people, I pray today we would be able to reach thousands with this message from your word that so many need to hear. Oh God, give us ears to hear what you want to teach us today. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Let me give you a little background here. In the year 722 B.C., actually 922 B.C., there was this terrible split that took place in the kingdom of Israel. You see, King David had 12 tribes under his rule. His son, King Solomon, one of the wisest kings who ever lived, had those same 12 tribes of Israel under his rule. But King Solomon, after he died, appointed his son, King Rehoboam, to be king. And ten of the twelve tribes of Israel didn't like King Rehoboam very much. And so, in essence, ten of the ten, ten of the twelve tribes of Israel seceded from the union. They basically said, we're leaving and starting our own kingdom. So, as you can see on the map on your screen there, there were ten tribes in the north. These were the ten that distanced themselves from King David's grandson. These ten tribes are called the Northern Kingdom, also sometimes just called Israel. And then the two tribes in the south that followed the line of David are called the southern kingdom or the kingdom of Judah. And so as we get to Second Chronicles chapter 20, we're talking about King Jehoshaphat. Say that with me, King Jehoshaphat. He was one of the kings in the south. As we look at the history of Israel in the north and Judah in the south unfold, uh, we see in those books of Kings and Chronicles that all of those kings who ruled in the north over that period of about 200 years, those kings in the north, every single one of them was evil. Every single one of them worshipped idols. Every single one of them disobeyed God's laws in the Bible. Every single one of those kings in the north led their people away from God. 
But thankfully, of the kings in the south that followed the line of David, a lot of those kings were good. Many of those kings obeyed the word of the Lord. Many of them worshipped God faithfully. And many of them led the people of Judah to follow in their footsteps and obey God's word as well. And so one of those kings in the south was King Jehoshaphat, one of my favorite kings of Judah. He was a man, according to God's word, that did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. That's something we all hope to aspire to as followers of Christ, right? We want to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord, because ultimately we just have to stand before Him someday. We don't stand before our critics. We don't stand before our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our bosses. We stand before God, and we want Him to evaluate our life and say, You did what was right in my eyes. So King Jehoshaphat was one of those kings, uh, one of David's great-great-grandsons that did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. As we pick up in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 here, we discover in the first two verses that there were these three kingdoms that aligned themselves in this supersized army to attack King Jehoshaphat's nation of Judah. If you look on the map on your screen, you'll see a, a little bit better idea of what I'm describing for you. There's Judah in the south of that nation of Israel. There's Judah just to the west side of the Dead Sea. And over to the east coast, the right side of the Dead Sea, you'll see there are the nations of Ammon and the nations of Moab. Those two nations joined together and marched south toward the southern part of the Dead Sea. Now there in the south, you can't see it on your map, but south of the Dead Sea is the nation of Edom. Uh, Those were the descendants of Jacob's brother Esau. And so these Edomites joined forces with the Ammonites and the Moabites, and together all three nations marched up that southwest side of the Dead Sea and were making their way toward Jerusalem, the capital city of Judah. And so as we pick up here in Second Chronicles chapter 20, these three united armies are just about 50 miles from Jehoshaphat's front door. They're about 50 miles from Jerusalem. And Jehoshaphat, as you might imagine, was pretty scared. He was pretty worried. Notice what it says in verses 3 and 4 here in Second Chronicles chapter 20. It says, Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Israel, all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in that area to seek him. They came from all over Judah to seek God in prayer. What a wonderful thing that here we have Jehoshaphat and he was scared just like oftentimes you and I get scared. He was worried and concerned like you and I oftentimes get worried and concerned. But the question we ask when we get worried and concerned and alarmed is what do we do in response to that fear? What do we do in response to that anxiety? Jehoshaphat did what every follower of Christ should do. He inquired of the Lord. He took his anxiety to God. He took his worries to God. He he took those fears directly to God. And not just he himself, he led his entire nation of Judah to take their fears and their concerns to God as well. And so there's no doubt about it. He was worried. He was concerned. And if we were to read those next few verses of his prayer, he prays for God's guidance. He prays for God's direction. He prays for God's 
for God's uh, loving protection in all that he does and his protection on that whole nation of Judah. In verses 6 through 12, he does this. He, he cries out to God. He acknowledges that God rules over heaven and earth. Uh, he reminds God of the promise he had made to his great-great-grandfather Solomon. Solomon, when he had dedicated that temple in Jerusalem, said, God, if ever an army is marching against us and we turn toward this temple and we pray to you humbly, asking for your deliverance, Lord, please promise on this day that when we do that down the road, you'll bring that deliverance that we need. Jehoshaphat reminded God that God had agreed to that prayer of Solomon years earlier. That he would come to the rescue if Judah humbly prayed to God and asked for his deliverance. So in this prayer, Jehoshaphat reminds God of what God had promised. And he calls on God to save them. To do for them what they could never do for themselves. And then verse 12. I love how Jehoshaphat ends this prayer here in verse 12 of Second Chronicles chapter 20. He says, O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Oh, isn't that a great prayer? Oh, God, help us. We don't know what to do. You know, my wisdom, my understanding is so limited in this situation. All of my bright ideas, I realize, aren't so bright. God, please help us. We don't know what to do, but we're trusting in you right now. To lead us through this time. Have you ever felt like Jehoshaphat? Have you ever felt like you were facing some enemy that was too big for you to face? Have you ever felt concerned that you were powerless as you're seeing these problems, these worries, uh, these difficulties stare you right down in the face? Uh, Have you ever felt like Jehoshaphat? I heard the story this last week uh, about a little four-year-old boy. Uh, who was in the kitchen with his mom one day. His mom was, was making dinner, and uh, the little boy, we'll, we'll call him uh, Johnny, he was a little worried because mom asked him to do something that he was afraid to do. You see, mom had asked him, while she was busy cooking and juggling all the pots and pans, she asked him to go into the kitchen pantry and open the door, walk inside, and grab the can of tomato soup and bring that to her. She needed it for her recipe. And so little Johnny uh, protests because he knew that the light bulb was burned out in that pantry and it was dark in there. And so he says to his mom, Mom, I can't go do that. I'm scared. And she waited a minute or two, continued doing what she was doing, and then she tried again. Johnny, I need you to go into the pantry and bring me the kitchen soup. And he protested again, Mom, I can't do that. I'm scared. And she turned to her little boy and she said this, Johnny... You don't need to be scared because Jesus will be in the pantry with you. And so the little boy took a deep breath and he went over to that pantry. He opened the door and he started to peek his head inside the dark pantry. But he got scared and he turned around. But then he got a little bit more nerve and he turned back, stuck his head inside the darkness and he spoke into the darkness He said, Jesus, if you're in there, can you hand me the can of tomato soup? Sometimes we want Jesus to be there and just do it for us, don't we? And that little boy was hoping Jesus was physically in the pantry and could do that for him. Well, Jehoshaphat was scared. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to do other than to lean on God. And I want to tell you, church, when we're going through these troubled times, 
Sometimes when you know uh, you don't know what to do, you don't know what direction to turn to, just go to God. Just turn to God. And you know what? When you turn to God, when you don't have the answers and you don't have the courage, that's the perfect place to turn because He's always had the answers and He's always had the strength that you need. We all have times when we're scared. We need to turn to God. I've had times in my life when I was dealing with fear. I remember that I was scared when my wife was trying to deliver our first daughter. And there she was in the delivery room and the baby just wasn't coming because the baby had turned the wrong direction. And so they decided to do an emergency C-section. So there I was in my blue scrubs with my silly little muffin hat on, waiting in a room by myself, hoping that the nurse would remember to come and get me to take me into the OR when it was time to start the incision to do that C-section for our first baby. I remember being scared uh, when our second daughter, uh, she was probably only about two or three, and there she was, she was sitting in a cart at the grocery store, and there she was in that grocery cart, and all of a sudden she stood up. And as she stood up in that grocery cart, she went head over heels and was falling head first onto the floor of that grocery store. And I was a few too far, few too many steps away to be able to grab her in time. And she went head first toward the floor and praise God, she had enough momentum to turn her over so she didn't land on her head. But I was scared. I, there was nothing I could do but cry out to Jesus to help my daughter. Uh, there have been other times that I've been scared. Just a little over a year ago, I was doing an ICU visit with a lady in our church that was in her final hours. And for some odd reason, I passed out there in the ICU room. The next thing I know, I'm lying on the floor of my back, surrounded by a team of nurses trying to revive me. That was a scary, scary time. And uh, you know what? I was there to do a good deed for someone else. And there I was scared, and they had to help me. And so there are times in our life when we're scared. What do we do? We turn to God because he has the answers and he has the strength that we need. Uh, Jehoshaphat turned to God and he led his people to turn to God. And I want you to see what happens beginning in verse 13. Picking up here in verse 13, read with me through verse 17. It says, All the men of Judah, with their wives, the children, and even their little ones, they stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and a descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow march down against them, They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. What a great passage. It says, the Lord will be with you. Be with you. I love verse 13. It wasn't just the men's Bible study group that gathered together and humbly prayed before the Lord. It just wasn't the the women's Bible study group that came together and decided to have a little prayer time before the big battle. It says that the men and the women 
and the children, and even the little ones, which I take to mean those little two-year-olds that are toddlers just barely being able to walk across the room, all of the men, women, and children came together. Moms likely were holding their babies, and together the nation of Judah cried out humbly to God for His deliverance. I think God has a message for us in that. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, young or old, black, white, Hispanic, green or polka dotted. It doesn't matter. Whoever you are, if you follow God, you turn to Him in humble prayer. Uh, And God's Spirit gave this prophetic word to a man by the name of Jehaziel. He's not identified as a prophet, but he was very much acting like a prophet here. He was a a Levite, kind of like an associate pastor, but God gave him a prophetic word to speak to King Jehoshaphat and to the nation. Jehaziel gave this marvelous, encouraging word here in this verse. He says, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. Do you know what the most repeated command in all the Bible is? Some of you probably know this. The most repeated command in the entire Bible is this simple command. Do not be afraid. Or as the old King James puts it, fear not. It's the most common command in all of Scripture. Some say it's there 365 times. That's not exactly true. Uh, But it's over a hundred times in the pages of Scripture. A hundred times it says, do not be afraid. Say that with me. Do not be afraid. One more time. Do not be afraid. It's the most common command in Scripture. Do not be afraid. We find this time and time again when the angel Gabriel came to this young teenage girl Mary and said, Mary, you're going to be giving birth to the Messiah, the promised king of the Jews. When that angel Gabriel came to Mary, he told Mary, do not be afraid. When Gabriel came to Joseph and said, Joseph, do not uh, be afraid to marry uh, Mary and, and take her home as your wife because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Notice what uh, that angel said to Joseph. Do not uh, be afraid. When the angel came with all the celestial hosts and gathered in the fields outside of Bethlehem on the night that Jesus was born and came to those shepherds, that angel said to those scared shepherds, do not be afraid. When Jesus resurrected on that first Easter morning and the women came to the tomb and the stone had been rolled away and the angel said he is not here because he is risen those women were scared those women were confused and Jesus appeared to them and guess what he said first thing do not be afraid time and time again this command is given in scripture do not be afraid you think God's trying to tell us something it's not our job to worry It's not our job to be afraid. It's not our job to have anxiety. We are to trust God and not fear when we are with Him. Over and over again it says, do not be afraid. So that's what God told His servant Jehaziel to tell Jehoshaphat here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. He tells him, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Now we ask the question, why not? Why shouldn't we be afraid? Why shouldn't we be discouraged? After all, isn't this army marching against Jehoshaphat and Judah uh, so much larger and so much stronger and so much tougher than Jehoshaphat's little army? Well, yeah. Certainly it's tougher. Certainly it's stronger. Certainly it's bigger. Why shouldn't Jehoshaphat be worried? Well, because the battle would not be Jehoshaphat's to fight. 
because Jehoshaphat was trusting God and loving God and obeying God's word, God was ready to step in and fight that battle for him. Jehoshaphat wouldn't have to fight this battle. So God basically says to Jehoshaphat, don't worry, my trusty servant. I've got this. Uh, You won't even need to sharpen your sword or to shine up your shield. The army coming against you is big, but don't worry. I am a whole lot bigger. It's basically what God was saying through Jehaziel to Jehoshaphat and Judah. Oh, sure, that army's big, but don't worry. This battle is mine. I'm a whole lot bigger. At that point, Jehaziel proceeded to tell Jehoshaphat in verse 16 when to start marching his army. He said, start marching tomorrow. And where to take his troops once they started marching? He said, take them to the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. And in verse 17, Jehaziel uh, tells Jehoshaphat what to expect when he gets to the battlefield. I love this verse. Look at verse 17 again. It says, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. And look how Jehoshaphat and his people responded, starting in verse 18. We read, Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down to worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with very loud voice. Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord. Catch this to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. Man, I love this passage. As soon as King Jehoshaphat and his people heard the good news from the Lord that they didn't need to be afraid because God would deliver them from these three enemy armies that were marching against them. They fell to the ground in worship. What a wonderful response when God answers your prayer and gives you that peace that He's got this. This is in His hands. You don't need to worry. You don't need to be concerned because the battle is not yours to fight. It is His. What a wonderful response. Falling in worship before the Lord. The Levite praise team then stood up and they praised the Lord loudly, very loudly. And then they obeyed God's word. They marched out the next day to the battlefield. Notice in verse 20, they didn't wait until evening the next day to march out. They didn't wait until after lunchtime. They didn't even wait until after breakfast. At the crack of dawn, they get up and they start marching toward the battlefield where God had told them to go. Early in the morning, they get up and start marching for the desert of Tekoa. Jehoshaphat gave his people a rousing pep talk. He says, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. And then Jehoshaphat did something very strange. I've never really heard of this technique used before as a military tactic, but here's what he does in verse 21. Jehoshaphat puts a praise team at the head of his army. Instead of having his best archers in front, or his best swordsmen in front, or his cavalry, or his chariots in front, he puts a praise team in the front line. Isn't that cool? 
What a way to fight a battle. He puts his praise team in the front lines. And they go out before the army. And they begin singing and praising God for the splendor of His holiness. As Jehoshaphat's army marched toward the battlefield, the hillsides were filled with the sound of singing. Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. And look what happened as they sang praises to God. Picking up in verse 22. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies. Lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing. And also articles of value. More than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Barakah. Where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the valley of Barakah to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. Then finally, verse 28, they entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lutes and trumpets. What a wonderful battle that was won, not because of Jehoshaphat's strong army, not because they were marvelous soldiers, but because the battle was the Lord's. And as they went obediently in worship to do what God had called them to do, God won the victory. Friends, as men of God, leading the army of God, praised God, the Spirit of God was catapulted from that praise team onto the battlefield ahead of them. And God won the victory without Jehoshaphat having to lift a single sword. The battle was won by God without a single military officer needing to lift a shield. That battle was won by God. I love that picture. As we're praising God, God's Spirit is catapulted onto the battlefield ahead of us to win victories that we can never win on our own. Let's give Him some praise and glory because we serve an awesome, awesome God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, God gave the victory. 2 Chronicles 20 serves as a beautiful, powerful reminder that when as God's people, as we humble ourselves before the Lord and pray and we lift up our voices in grateful praise, there is power in our praise. There is power in our praise. Please say that with me. There is power in our praise. Say it to the person next to you. There is power in our praise. It's our job to trust God. It's our job to love God. And it's our job to obey His Word. And part of obeying His Word is praising Him no matter how crazy the circumstances are around us. God doesn't say praise Him when things are all peachy keen. He doesn't say just praise Him when things are going well. In all circumstances, it says, praise God. So we are to praise God during this crazy time in the life of our nation and in the life of our world. Regardless of how crazy the circumstances are around us, we praise God. Amen? We praise God. So why do we do that? Because He is always good. We praise God in all circumstances because He is always strong. 
We praise God in all circumstances because He is always compassionate. We praise Him in all circumstances because He is always merciful and He is always faithful. God will come through, people. God is always one who comes through in the end as we obediently do what He has called us to do. And so love Him, church. Serve Him, church. Trust Him, church. And obey His word because God will see you through. Now something I'm hoping we can do each week as we're gathered as families together, studying His Word together with our online worship service, I want to ask a few questions at the end of each message to see if you've been paying attention. And this is especially good uh, for those uh, kids in the room uh, who may tend to drift when they're not used to hearing uh, a sermon from me. And so I'm going to ask five questions right now uh, to see if you have the answers. If you were paying attention to the message today, you'll be able to answer these five questions, no problem. So we'll put them up on the screen for you, but we won't give you the answer for a couple minutes. Number one, what was the king's name here in Second Chronicles chapter 20. What was his name? You can go ahead and say it out loud right where you are. Okay? Question number two. How many armies were attacking Judah? How many armies had gathered together to attack Jehoshaphat and his people? Question number three. What is the most repeated command of God in the entire Bible? The most repeated command of God. I mentioned it's used over a hundred times in the pages of Scripture. Most repeated command. Question number four. Who was in the front lines of Jehoshaphat's army? Who was out in front leading the army? And finally, question number five. This is a fill in the blank. You ready? Blank is bigger than my problems. Blank is bigger than my problems. So going back to question number one, let's see uh, how you did. Hopefully you all got 100%. What was the king's name here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20? The answer is King Jehoshaphat. If you didn't pronounce it right, that's okay. King Jehoshaphat, some say King Jehoshaphat. Question two, how many armies were attacking God's people? The answer is three. Ammon, Moab, and the people of Edom. All join forces together to attack Judah. Question number three. What is the most repeated command of God in the Bible? It is, together, do not be afraid. Or if you have the King James Version there, fear not. It's the most repeated command of God in the pages of Scripture. Question four. Who is in the front lines of Jehoshaphat's army? That was the praise team, right? They were in the front lines of Jehoshaphat's army. Finally, question number five, the fill in the blank. God is bigger than my problems. Amen? God is bigger than my problems. Uh, Over the last few days, we visited some homes of people in our church. And we're going to take a few moments here to pray for the coronavirus. And we're going to take a few moments to pray uh, prayers of praise, thanking God for what He has done and praising Him for who He is. And so I encourage you to, to bow your heads and close your eyes as a few of our church family members uh, lead us in these prayers of praise and prayers uh, for our nation during this time of dealing with the coronavirus. Please bow your heads with me. Hello, Impact Christian Church and everyone watching. We thank you for this day. Let's bow our head, close our eyes, and say a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've made, Lord. 
We know there's so much tragedy going around us, Lord, but let us have faith, Lord, that you're working all things for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose, Lord. We know that you have a purpose for everything, a plan for our life, and it's to prosper our lives, as it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, to make great things out of this, Lord. We know that so many good things are going to come, not only from the coronavirus, Lord, but every trial and tragedy and fear and torment that we're faced with, Lord. We know that you're going to use this for your good. We believe it in Jesus' powerful and precious name we pray. Amen. Okay, I have a word from the Lord. It's in First Joshua, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know what that means? The Lord is with us. He's got everything in his power and his control. So we're going to praise him and glorify him because, see, we're not supposed to be stressed out or scared. No, we are children of the Most High God. So we praise you, Father. We thank you, Father, that everything that's happening around us is in control by you. You're the one who's taking over. You're the one, Father God, who knows what's going to happen. Help us to always remember to just walk and focus on you because you are the answer to the solutions that's happening in this world and we won't forget this is your world you created so we thank you father god touch those father god especially those who do not know you father god and father god just put the fear of god in them not the fear of the sickness in them but the fear of you father god to reverence you and to respect you and we thank you we praise you and we glorify you father because we know father god you will never leave us no forsake us. And we come before you, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us. He loves us. You think he's going to leave us like that? No. We praise you, Father. We thank you for your Son. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that just comes upon us to give us the strength to be the sis and be discouraged, Father God, through him. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Dear Jesus, have people who are sick and don't let the coronavirus spread anywhere in the world. Help people to accept Jesus and God. Please help my mom heal. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, prayer warriors, for leading us in those prayers as we're going through this difficult time in our nation. I know some of you who are watching this online service are going through some difficult times. Some of you were dealing with some challenges with health, uh, maybe marriage struggles, financial difficulties, before we are ever dealing uh, with this pandemic. And so I just want to take a few moments and pray with you uh, specifically for what you're dealing with. And so uh, I don't know your specific need, but God does. And so please join me as I lead us in a prayer. I want to pray for you, whatever you're going through. And remember, uh, right there on the bottom edge of your screen, you call one of our prayer counselors at any time over the next few minutes. They'd be more than happy to pray with you directly for your specific need. But please bow with me as I lead us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I thank you for every single person watching this broadcast. Lord, some who are watching this broadcast are concerned and worried. I pray that you would give them peace. Some, Lord, are dealing with health issues. Some are dealing with cancer. Some are dealing with other life-threatening diseases. Uh, Lord, 
some have, have uh, been wrestling with these health issues for quite some time. Lord, I pray that you would bring them healing in Jesus' name. I pray for those, Lord, who are discouraged and depressed during this time. I pray that you would bring them emotional healing in Jesus' name. I pray for those who are dealing with relationship challenges, Lord, marriages that are struggling. Uh, Lord, relationships between kids and their parents. Uh, Lord, between siblings, between co-workers, between neighbors. Lord, those relationships that are estranged. We pray for relationship healing in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just want to take a moment for those who may be watching this broadcast who have not yet received you as Lord and Savior. I want to speak to you right now. If you're listening to my words and you do not know for sure if you were to die tonight, that you would go to heaven. I want to let you know right now that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. He loves you more than life itself. And so he says you cannot make it to heaven by your own good works because your sin gets in the way. You can't make it to heaven by being religious enough because your sin gets in the way. The only way that sin in your life can be dealt with is to hand it over to Jesus Christ. That's why he died on that cross to make a way for you to be forgiven and to have a relationship with God. If you are ready right now to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to put Him in the driver's seat of your life, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I ask that you repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask that you would have mercy on me. Please forgive me. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you have a plan for my life. Please come into my life right now. Be my Savior to save me from my sins. And be my Lord, my Master. Take charge of my life. And I will follow you for the rest of my life. Trusting you. Loving you. And obeying your word. Until you call me home to heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that when we make that decision to trust in Jesus, part of that decision means uh, putting our money where our mouth is, so to speak. What I mean by that is the Bible says you need to get baptized. When you're baptized and you go in the water, that's symbolizing that your old life is dead and buried. And as you come up out of the water, you're saying my new life is, is going to be lived for Jesus Christ. And right now, we have a special treat for you. This past Thursday, one of our church attenders, uh, Liz, uh, was baptized. Uh, she made that decision to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and she wanted to, to make it clear to the world that she was serious about that decision by obeying Jesus, by getting baptized. And so we're going to show with you, share with you right now that video of Liz getting baptized. Share this too. Look at these. You going to wear these later? These socks? Yes. Get those out of your way. Okay, so Liz, in a moment when we start to dip you back, I'm going to have you uh, pinch your nose okay. so that uh, water doesn't go up your nose as we dip you back. Okay. Make it more comfortable. Okay, Liz, uh, your dad and I want to ask you to share your confession of faith, which lets God and the angels and anyone in the world know what you believe about Jesus. Just repeat after me. Okay. I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. The Son of the Living God. And I am accepting Him. And I am accepting Him. As my Savior and Lord. As my Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Because of that confession of faith, Liz, in obedience to Christ's command, it's your dad and my privilege to baptize you 
in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ. Raised to walk a brand new life. Congratulations, sweetie. Come on, get her excited? Thank you so much, Impact Church, for joining us for our online worship service this morning. We hope that this was a blessing to you right there in the comfort of your own family room. I just want to remind you over the next few minutes, you can still call one of our prayer counselors if you'd like. If you're watching this on Facebook or Instagram, please like it. Please comment on it and please share it with others. We can potentially reach thousands through this online broadcast as we do our part to share it with our friends and family through social media. Uh, Remember that we are reachable during the week. You can call us at the church office, 760-246-4100. You can email us at holly at greaterimpact.cc or email me at dane at greaterimpact.cc. We want to minister to you. If you need anything during the week, call us, email us. We want to be able to help if we possibly can. Church, let's continue praising the Lord as we walk in obedience to Him. And we'll see you next week, same time, same place, right here online for our worship service next Sunday at 10 a.m. God bless you, church. We hope you'll be blessed by this sermon from 